Hello, welcome back. TPS Podcast, the Philosopher is Stoned Podcast. How y'all doing? What's going on, Sam? Sam Sam Wise. I'm um, very sober right now. Very sober. Crystal clear. Me too. Crystal clear cognition. Me too. Yeah. Yes, yes. The podcast is the Philosopher's Stone, but we just sometimes we have to rely on the residual THC remaining from the night before. <laughs> that's just how it is. Okay. Don't worry. We're both permafried enough to uh, count as stoned compared to most of the population. So we're not total frauds. No, no. What the hell is up? I'm drinking, uh, I'm actually drinking some wild sweet orange tea oh. by Tazo, a company huh. called Tazo. Except wow. for I didn't heat the water up enough. So it's like lukewarm. Ugh. Did it steep? I mean, it turned color if that's what steeping means. <laughs> Very nice. I like uh, I like Earl Grey and is sweet orange pico. That's about all I all I like when it comes to tea. Maybe green tea. Well, sometimes I can do some green tea. Sometimes that's pretty wild, man. <laughs> is that when you're feeling really risky? What's new, Sam? Uh, what is new? Um, uh, I'm in Toronto right now. I'm staying, been staying in Toronto this week at Hannah's place. Very nice. Oh yeah. I go get some dumplings. I thought she moved back to, uh, where you went to. Where are you now? Ottawa? Ontario. Ottawa? Ottawa, rather. <laughs> Ontario. <laughs> I don't know my own fucking provinces. Um, my own country. Yeah. Normally we are in Ontario, but I'm on reading week and she wanted to spend some time with her family. So. Oh, so you went to her family place. Yeah. Yeah, it's her, okay. her mom's house. I yeah. see. Yeah, I see. Well, that's cool. That's fun. Uh, I got some news. Oh boy! The only reason I asked <laughs> you about your week was so that you would ask me about my week, oh. so I could tell you. How's your How's your week, Jordan? Being a Being a man of action, I took it upon myself to change my career, so I no longer am going to be caught in the clutches of an evil trade that really isn't evil, but I just, I've, I've had enough of it for now. Anyways, I'll go back to it, but I uh, am officially out, officially out of the trades for the time being. Damn. I am now a prefab, preformed concrete feature artisan wow. is the technical title. So I'm going to be making Molds for concrete structures that go into parks and stuff, such as fountains, such as tables, such as cool chairs, such as memorial pieces, such as just basic, this is something you put in a park piece of concrete. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of, lot of sanding and, and polishing. And uh, you know what? I'm ready to just zen out for a bit and not have to stress out every other minute of the day. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Wow. So, uh, okay, yeah. So you covered most of the things you're gonna make. Do you make this stuff in like a big factory somewhere, or like a warehouse, and then ship it to the park? Well, there's a shop. He's got a shop. It's a, like it is like a bay warehouse. It's got a big bay door on it. And then one guy is building the molds um, using various materials: wood, rubber. And one guy is finishing the pieces with like polishing and and. Uh, ceiling and getting a nice sheen on it and then the, the other guy is kind of like taking the molds out of i mean the uh forms out of the molds and giving it like the initial uh like sand down 
and getting it smooth and ready for finishing. And then, uh, from what I understand, we also go and install them in some places. So hmm. it's pretty cool. There is some creative elements to it, although I probably won't be much involved in that to begin with. But there's only uh, it's, it's a small crew. There's only four guys. So oh, wow. I I expect to learn a little bit of everything eventually. But uh, it seems much more of a relaxed work environment than I'm currently in. And right now what I need in life is just to be able to shut my brain off from work after it's over and just do stuff I'd like to do at home. Mm. Yeah. And thus, that's what I'm doing. You should hear a lot less bitching, a bitching from me about my work, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe I just like to bitch. Hey, it's good to, good to get it out of your system. You should, uh, you should look into, um, Working with a Buddhist monk, I know some of them like to uh, mummify themselves and then entomb themselves in like a statue while they're still alive and like meditate until they die in the statue. So you could work something out like that. Until they die in the statue? Are you kidding me? Yeah, they found these like gold statues, these like gold Buddha statues, and then they open them or they x-ray them and there's like a mummified monk inside in like the lotus position. So they just like meditate and then they get someone to build a statue around them and they can't get out of it and they just meditate until they die. No, dude, that is a horrific thing to do to yourself. <laughs> I don't care how enlightened you are. Uh, what, what, like, how do they know that they were alive when they got en- t- encased? Like, you could just put someone in the lotus position when they're dead, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they, they I guess they can't prove that they were alive. But but it's the cooler story, so they went with it. And I respect that. Yeah. I respect that a lot. Well, no, apparently a lot of uh, well, them do this. I'm Googling it. It's called Soku Shinbutsu. A kind of Buddhist that's mummy. so fucking badass. That has got to be the most badass thing a monk can do. Besides, like, the lighting themselves on fire. Although that's, I mean, <laughs> I would honestly rather do the self-immolation and that instead of being encased in a fucking statue while I'm still alive. Oh my God. Here's one. Like they just do. Here's one they're saying they found in 2015, they found a mummified monk in, in Mongolia. And um, apparently they thought he was dead, but he was not dead, but he looked like a mummy, but they said he's still alive. Oh my God. What? They, when they found him, he's still alive. That's what they said. I kind of don't, by that, but that sounds like bullshit to me. Yeah, like they they unearthed them, opened it up, said "woo, a mummy," and then it started like breathing. That is some horrific shit. If that's true, yeah, I yeah, I don't think he's, he's alive. But people do this apparently. They just sit and they meditate in the lotus position, and then they just die. That is just like I mean, I what is I mean that must be like some huge gangster move for monks <laughs> to do. Like that's got to be the biggest power play ever. Oh yeah. Well, I'm gonna go down to. Uh, I'll probably just go down to my local monkery and ask them if anyone's down to be encased by a amateur artisan. <laughs> It'll be my first one. <laughs> you can be my first monk. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be my first monk. I encase, <laughs> and hopefully many many monk line. Yeah, you can promise that they will reach nirvana if they do it. Only problem is I don't think monks yeah. have a lot of money, so they might not be able to pay you anything. I think that the payment of them sacrificing themselves is really enough for me. I can live off that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can just live off the, yeah. the knowledge. Yeah. 
Oh man, yeah. that'd be creepy. The, the sheer commitment they take is really enough to sustain me. Yeah, I think they do it to prove that they don't need any like earthly that they've like mastered all of their earthly desires. Like they're done on earth. They're just like I'm done. I'm done. I'm I'm ready to exit this thing <laughs> in the most cool way possible. I think no, I think it's more like um they've conquered all of their like like no matter how hungry they get or how much how, how much they want to like stretch their legs or whatever, like they they've like detached themselves from all of that um bodily need. So that's like pure enlightenment is when you're completely detached from your physical form and you're just existing in the mental space. Yeah, I think that's necessary to enter nirvana. You you can't have any you have to like not respond to your your bodily needs to enter nirvana. I think that's the idea. So what you're saying is you need to wear a diaper to get to that <laughs> point. Um all these monks are buried in their diapers. Well, I don't think they they have any bowel movements or your, anything because they're break, not eating anything. They don't eat. So they just wither away in the statue yeah. and uh crazy. They probably well, just drink a big uh, diuretic know, and like shit them like shit everything out. Like have a drink of X-lax or whatever, shit everything out and then clean the pipes out and then they go and get into the lotus position and mummify themselves. Ugh. That is wild. That is wild. Ugh. Like, what, I wonder, like, would they let you do that when you're, like, 25 if you've re- reached Nirvana already? <laughs> They're like, holy shit, you're ahead of schedule. Get in there. Get in there, buddy. Uh, I just don't understand, like, what if a mosquito or, like, a fly landed on them? Like, I, that would break me. Like, if a fly landed on me, I would, that would be over. I'd be done. <laughs> Dude, if a fly landing on you breaks your Nirvana trance, you probably haven't reached Nirvana. I mean, enlightenment or whatever, right? Yeah. You should be... Bo- also, I, I think that like anything that tried to land on you would get like vaporized, vaporized like before it even hit you, you know? Like an invisible force field. <laughs> By your aura? Your enlightenment aura? Yeah. <laughs> your enlightenment aura. It attracts moths, unfortunately. It's the only... <laughs> That's the only downside of reaching Nirvana is that your aura attracts a ton of insects. Uh, uh, I could not handle that. Uh, I hate bugs crawling on me. Yeah. No. No thanks. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it, it's you know, no one wants insects crawling no. on them. I don't care who you are, and if you do, you probably had a rough time in high school. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that you probably had a very limited social life in high school if you now like being covered in insects. That's just, I, I don't know what the correlation is there, but it is there. Uh, it is there. Yeah. If I guarantee it. If I can do the meditation in like a nice hotel, like the Ritz or something with like air conditioning yeah. and like room service and stuff, yeah. then, you know, then we're talking. Then we're talking. I could probably do that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> if someone, okay, Getting encased by a statue and remaining in the lotus position in your Zen state—that's one thing. But could they be like? Could they be in their lotus position, totally in the trance, and be like have a bucket of black widows dumped on their head, and they're still like? I mean, I guess if you could light yourself on fire and not flinch, you should be able to handle some black widows, right? It's like fear factor for monks. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) monk Monk factor. Joe Rogan is there just oh my god can this guy take it yeah (laughs) Joe Rogan's there he's got his third eye like on his forehead this monk's gonna drink some donkey cum oh my god (laughs) (laughs) 
It's just Joe Rogan trying to break the Zen trance as a monk. <laughs> Uh, that'd be funny. I'm going to wheel kick him in the forehead. <laughs> uh, wow. That's funny. Um, well, uh, we do have one email to reply to at the end, no. so we should keep that in okay. mind. All of you, if you would like to uh, send in an email and we'll answer it on the podcast, is tpspodcast420 at gmail.com. Sam, you forgot to put it in the description uh, again. Oops. Yeah, my bad. I'll do that. Uh... If I could fire you, I would. <laughs> if I could fire you, I would. <laughs> Lucky for you, I don't know any other Sams with philosophy degrees. Ah, yes. So you're safe for now. It's quite rare. Quite rare. But don't think I'm not looking. Don't think I'm not looking. Well, the League of Samuels. What are we talking about? <laughs> um, What's that? Oh, nothing. Uh, the League of Samuels is recruiting, so we might uncover some. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll pluck a new one from there. <laughs> they owe their loyalty to me, though, so I don't know if, if that would work. Uh, they can be easily bought and sold from my experience. <laughs> Pretty worthless. No moral substance. Just dangle a joint in front of them. <laughs> a joint and a glass of, of, of Earl Grey tea. <laughs> yes, just like Captain Picard. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so we are responding to an earlier email asking about... Oh, finally, yeah. hey? Is this Ferdinand's... This is our buddy pals, Ferdinand. If he's still listening, if he hasn't abandoned us because of the delay in response, <laughs> unprofessional. Let me just reread this for uh, anyone that's still listening. Hello, I am French-speaking person from Australia. My name is Ferdinand, and I'm 16. Wilbur was my dog's name. I thought his name was Wilbur before, <laughs> but it's actually his dog's name. Anyway, this is a very smart 16-year-old, by the way. My next question is, what do you think differentiates the Stoics from the Epicureans or the Taoists, and which ones do you think are the most present in our society nowadays? Love you guys, Ferdinand. We love you too, motherfucker. Also, <laughs> great English, if that's your second language. Yeah, great phenomenal. Um, yeah. yeah. Differentiates? That's like a, that's, you know, that's not a beginner word. No. I, I often, uh, I mean, even like, yeah. You know what? Yeah, let's just go. So you got this answered? Uh, I don't know if I have the whole thing answered because um, it might take a while to explain. Like we might have to do a few episodes on it because we have to go through Epicurus. We have to go through Stoics. We have to go through Taoism. So it might take a while to cover all of them, but we can definitely at least get through Epicurus today. and That would be pretty interesting. All right, here we go. I'm Epicurious about it. <laughs> so, Yeah. Um you're, oh my god! <laughs> wow, nice. That's pretty good. I like that. Was, that was good. You like that? I like that. Epicurious. I'm pretty epicurious about it. <laughs> epicurious. Uh, yeah, epically curious. Okay. Um. Yeah. So epicurious. When was he born? Let me look that up. Hold on. Forgot to write down when he was born. Classic. Classic mistake. Oh, the name of a guy? His name was Epicurus. Yeah, he was... Okay, he was born in February. I think he was born on the 20th of the month because that's when his followers would apparently celebrate his birthday every month. They would celebrate his birthday on the 20th of every month. <laughs> I just checked my calendar to see if it was February 20th Epicurus right now. That's how far off I am on, on what the actual date wow, is. Wow, yeah. We're, we're <laughs> can't keep track. The months are flying by so fast. It's already March. Yeah, Jesus. I know. Seriously. I'm going to do that goddamn daylight savings thing soon. Ugh. I hate that. Oh, yeah. Then you're back in the dark for a no. bit. Bullshit. No. Um, okay, so he was born 
on the island of Samos in 341 BC, and then he died in 270 BC in Athens, Greece. Athens. They named a local swimming pool in my city from that. And let me tell you, it does not strike me as a very philosophical place. There's a swimming pool in Kelowna called Athens? Yeah. Well, that's what I used to call That's what we always used to call it. It's the YMCA now, maybe. would switch, but we used to just call it Athens Pool. Huh. Why did people call it that? Maybe because there was always this giant fat guy in the hot tub every single day he would be there. He would be there every single day. He was like 400 pounds. He would just sit in the hot tub all day. And I remember just being a kid looking at him and like counting all the skin tags on him. Skin tags? <laughs> What's a skin so, tag? Yeah. Skin tag is like a growth on you. The guy looks like a like a elongated wart. It's just like hanging. It's it's ah, disgusting. And he was allowed in the hot tub yeah. with like a skin disease. Dude, he wasn't just allowed there. I think he was like living in there. <laughs> I never saw him not in there. Maybe <laughs> like no one really knew how full that hot tub was because as soon as he got in it, it was full as fuck. Ah, oh my god, he gets out. But it's kind of gross because now we're all sharing like a like four cubic cubic liters of. <laughs> Of water really uh, we're just in the cracks turn on the i remember that he had a a scar on the back of his head that uh, the rumor was it was a railroad spike got pushed <laughs> through his head at some point oh yeah that I was the rumor. there was a lot of like there was a lot of like legends about him because he was there all the time every time i was there oh my god just turn on the jets his and he must have been oh skin flaps just yeah, he, flowing in the pool oh, god. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like wind socks oh, but they show the current of the Jets. Oh. It's so gross. Oh, There's no nasty. way that dude's still alive. There's just no way. That is nasty. If he is still alive, I guarantee you he's in that hot tub right uh, now. Yeah, that's the only problem with hot tubs is they are like, like a breeding ground for bacteria, I guess. Just yeah. nice, warm, bubbly water. Well, that's why public pools always have to have like almost like concentration camp levels of chlorine in them. Concentra- they didn't use chlorine in concentration camps, did they? Chlorine gas? Did they I not? thought they used Zyklon B. Well, you sure seem pretty knowledgeable about this, Sam. Oh, I wonder why. Wonder why. <laughs> Zyklon B. No, they did use Zyklon B. But I thought they used chlorine as well. Uh-uh. Anyways. They used, um, I, uh, what's it called? Carbon monoxide as well. Chlorine gas. Doing some Googling. Yeah, that was World War One, I, I think, was chlorine gas. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, my point is there's a shit ton of chlorine in these pools at the public pools. Yeah, you can smell it. Oh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, and you smell like chlorine for like weeks after. Yeah. Anyways, um, oh, Athens, Athens is where he died. That was, I totally forgot what, what we were even talking about there. <laughs> yeah. See, even when we're dead sober, this is how it goes. This is tells yeah. you tells you a lot about <laughs> the choices we've made in life. <laughs> so Athens, two seventy Athens, he died. Yeah. Right? So he was. Oh my God! According to that, he would have died at around ninety years old. Jesus. Damn, that's a good push for back then. <laughs> Very good push. I mean, he was probably pretty wealthy because he was a philosopher. So he was probably one of the more leisurely citizens of the city probably didn't have to do any work um so not yeah. putting a lot of wear and tear on the old body sitting around thinking that's pretty easy life 
Thinking. Thinking. Smoking, drinking at the hookah thing. <laughs> That's him. That's the Epicurean motto, actually. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so he had a bunch of different, he had like a whole system of thought. So we can go through his whole system of thought. He had, he had beliefs about physics. He had beliefs about the philosophy of mind. He had beliefs about uh, language, philosophy of language, um, social and political theory. Um, so he he went he covered the whole thing in like this unified theory, and it all starts with atoms. Have you ever heard of atoms, Jordan? <laughs> I've heard of atoms. I have a cousin named Adam. Ah, uh, and Adams and things also. <laughs> And there's also the first human ever to exist. His name was Adam. I think that's pretty much common knowledge. That is quite true. Unless you're talking about the other ones, the little guys. You know, those little yes, guys. Yes, we're talking about the little little ones. The little Adams. The little guys. <laughs> little guys. The little tiny little itsy beatsy yeah, dudes. Yeah, they just zip around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. They kind of just zip and bounce around. Yeah. Um, Pretty much. Um, but don't drop don't, one. Uh, for God's sakes, don't drop that. <laughs> Yellow cake uranium. <laughs> pray to God he don't <laughs> drop that. <laughs> Holy, it just started pouring rain outside at my place. Oh, in Kelowna? That was wild. Wow. Yeah, like it just uh, suddenly just started dumping. Wow, the gods must be angry. Ooh. Um, yeah. Right. Atoms. So a lot of people don't realize this, but um, the, the atomic theory, the theory that the universe, that all matter in the universe is reducible to these really tiny particles called atoms. This theory actually arose in ancient Greece amongst the pre Well, I don't know if they're pre-Socratics, but um, there was a philosopher named Democritus who argued that there are these little things called atoms and that they're the smallest possible yeah. thing that could exist. And everybody's like, you're fucking, you're dumb. You're an dude. idiot. That's so dumb, man. Yeah. That's so dumb. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Democritus or whatever your name is. Yeah, that's what, what Plato said. Plato's like, this guy's so dumb. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want Plato to be going around talking shit about yeah. you. It's kind of hard to come back yeah. from that. Um, so, um, so Epicurus, he also thought that all matters. He believed the universe is matter and void and that all of the matter is composed of atoms. But he tried to update Democritus's theory because Aristotle had had some pretty harsh criticisms of Democritus. Um, yeah. So Democritus had said that atoms are not only physically indivisible, like physically you can't split one, but he also said that they were conceptually indivisible. So you can't even imagine Splitting one in half. Um, really? Yes. How wrong he was. <laughs> so he's essentially just saying that he that atoms are as small as anything can be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's the mm -hmm. minimal possible expanse of matter. But the problem with that is right. Aristotle says, well, imagine there's two atoms going down the street and they pass by each other. One says to the other. One says the other, hello. Is your name Atom? <laughs> yes. Um, and so the two atoms, they're passed by each other. At no, if they're the smallest thing possible, then um, they could never be part way past each other. Because if they were part way past each other, 
then you could imagine there would be divisible. Yeah, you can imagine a point along which it could be divided. Ah, uh, who said that? Uh, Aristotle. God, that motherfucker. He's always coming in with his little little gimmicky little, little situations. Yeah, little nitpicky situation. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Arist- you always got to ruin everything, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. But I see his point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are a bunch of other problems, but um, anyway, so Epicurus, he said that, okay, so there are, he just, he just took away the, the conceptually indivisible thing. And so he said that they're, they're physically indivisible. So he's still wrong, but he was a little less wrong. And you can't blame him because yeah. they didn't, they didn't have any fucking idea what they're talking about, honestly. But, um, <laughs> to be honest, they were all kind of stupid back then. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's kind of mind-boggling that they even came up. With I mean, that they didn't idea, even but. they hadn't even invented electron microscopes as morons. Yeah, seriously, get with the program. But um, <laughs> I discovered an electron which is going to help us find the smallest thing, which is an atom. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Newsflash, <laughs> you ever heard of an electron, buddy? Uh, so, okay, so what else did he believe? He thought um, they all move. So he was, he was very wrong about atoms, right? He thought they all move at a uniform speed. Uh, they mm-hmm. cannot stop, slow down, or change direction unless they're acted upon by another atom. But he said that he just sort of added this. And this is weird because he was actually kind of more right about this. He said, when atoms move, they tend to eventually just like randomly swerve. Okay. Like they tend to just swerve. And so that was how he allowed for free will. Oh, Jesus. Okay. We went from that to free will? Yeah. Everyone made fun of him at the time for it. Random swerve. Yeah, the swerve. Everyone made fun of him at the time for for suggesting that you could have these swerves. But... um. I don't know, maybe nowadays with like quantum quantum theory, he's more right than wrong about that. It's so funny to me that they would make fun of him for that <laughs> when it's like, you guys have never seen an atom, so you don't even know if that's right. Like, how come this is so much crazier than that? Yeah, I, I, I really don't understand. Um, I don't understand how they came up with the that. Audacity. Yeah, the audacity of it. Yeah. yeah. It's nuts that they could, without technology, they're talking about these minuscule particles that actually exist in physics. It's actually bananas. Yeah, I don't understand. Just uh, the power of actual, just the power of sitting, smoking, drinking at the hookah thinking. I mean, yeah, and like another testament to what you can get done if you have a a slave economy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, I thought we weren't going to endorse slavery anymore on this podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. Forgot. Um, (laughs) Remember the talk we had before? No endorsing slavery and no supporting the Nazis. Right, right. I hate that I have to say that before every episode. <laughs> if we can make robots, then then we can get back to ancient Greece. If we can have like robot slaves do everything for us, then I think that would be okay. I mean, let's get there already. You see those that the like um, the uh, MIT robot dogs are now like patrolling the streets of Brooklyn. Oh yeah, that was, <laughs> that was um, like, robot police dogs. Yeah, I thought AOC actually made a great point about that. Like, you spent more money on this robot dog patrolling this neighborhood than you ever yeah. have on like schools or anything for that neighborhood. Yeah, or actual like infrastructure that'll help it, uh, like the crime go down. Yeah. Instead, we're gonna do robot dogs to chase people. Yeah, they'll what they'll have the robot. That is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. 
Still said that, dude. If I was walking home drunk and some robot dog started following me, I would literally just beat the shit out of it until it tasered me. Oh yeah, they probably have like tasers in their claws or something. It's so creepy, uh, man. It's like, dude, this robot dog's been following me for like, three blocks. It's like, <laughs> I think it thinks I stole something. It, it needs like, a treat. It, you have to feed it a zip drive or something. Yeah. We're, it, there's no way we're not going to have to fight against the robots in our lifetime, Sam. I hate to say it, but we and you are. We're going to be soldiers on the front line of the robot wars. That's got to. It's going to happen. Man, I don't like our odds. <sighs> I don't like garage either. I'm very, don't. I'm very like flesh. I'm very fleshy, and uh, yeah. these robots are all steel and sharp angles. <laughs> yeah, and and zero empathy, and no empathy. at all. <laughs> no, and also no time to take. It takes no time for them to make a decision. There's no lag in the the, the input of the stimuli and a decision being made on action. Yeah. Just instantaneous knows what it's doing and we do not have that ability. Yeah. So we're pretty much fucked as soon as these dogs... Uh, I don't know what to do. How do we appease our new... Sl- we're going to be the slaves. Uh. They're going to be the ones that are thinking and drinking. Fahuka <laughs> thinking, drinking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, okay, Epicurus. He also tried to explain gravity. So he said that, right? So when atoms collide, it tends to cause a change in direction. And this new direction always tends to be the same. And he called this direction down. And that's gravity. Really? Yeah. So that's like the first theory of gravity right there? Um, I don't know if it's the first theory of gravity, but it's, it's a theory. So every time an atom bounces off of something, it goes down. Event, uh, statistically, eventually, things tend to go down. But he also, um, I don't know if, the, but he was also a flat things earther. Things do tend to go down. Yeah. He, oh, he was a flat earther. One of these guys. Yeah. He thought the earth was like a Not disc. nearly. Yeah, well, you know what? Back then, I'll give you a fucking pass. But ta- nowadays, if you're a flat <laughs> earther, I also think that you're hanging out with the kid that likes being covered in insects. Mm. And neither of you had friends in high school. Mm. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, very true. Got to have that, uh, that flat earther community. It's very powerful. Oh, <laughs> so funny. It does not take a whole lot of science to figure out the earth is round. And they just, I love it when they truly believe it and then they end up proving themselves wrong and then they just ignore their findings. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't fit with uh, my belief, so I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> Obviously, my experiment was not right. Yes. Clearly, we designed the experiment wrong. <laughs> yeah. Because we already know what the truth is. We're just trying to prove it. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard to prove it because the government is controlling everything and making it more difficult. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. You got to cut yeah. some corners sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and no one in our community has the capability of getting a pilot's license. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not a single one. It's because if you fly a plane, they drug you and put yeah. you in a hologram or something. The government has a control over all planes and they just make you fly around in a circle or within the borders of the disc. Yeah. So it makes it seem like you're going around the planet, but you're actually just going around in a circle. So yeah, we're trapped in a bowl. Checkmate, morons. Checkmate. Sky is a projection. Checkmate, science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, he he. Um, so that's like that's some of his pretty weird beliefs. But then he moves from atoms. This is, it's interesting that he can move from atoms and then he moves right into like 
neuro like philosophy of mind and like neurology almost. So he, is he connecting these two things? Yeah. So he he believed that um, in our bodies we have a a specific kind of atom called a soul atom, which is a very yeah. fine atom, apparently. Not like fine. Very fine indeed. Very fine. Not like fine, like... Very fine, well-mannered <laughs> Adam. <laughs> Very fine in the sense, like... Always... Uh, delicate, like easily destroyed. Okay. Well, my soul gets destroyed daily, so I think <laughs> that that adds up. Yeah. And uh, so these are like scattered throughout the body, but most of them are clustered in your chest, and that's where the seat of your intellect is, according to Epicurus, is your chest. Uh-huh. Not your brain. And when they get frazzled, that's heartburn. It makes so much sense for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my atoms are frazzled. <laughs> my soul atoms are quite frazzled. Right my now. soul atoms are frazzled. Take this de-frazzling atom atomizer pill. <laughs> atom tonic. Yeah. But this is, it was very weird. So, right, this is how, so everything gets explained materially. He doesn't ever talk about like immaterial things or like like uh like an immaterial thing everything is done like by touching so this is really weird but right so how do you how do your soul atoms get a sensation well what happens is you say you look at like a uh you see like a tiger or something and yeah the tiger is this big macroscopic object and all of it, it emits these like microscopic filaments, like little strings or something. And yeah, <laughs> and they, they imagine, so they are like, um, like, you know, how like a television, like they'll like record the show in the studio and then they broadcast it to the television in your home across a wire. Yeah. And they send it across a wire in like, it's like an encoded information and it goes through the wire and mm-hmm. then your TV decodes it and projects the image. Yeah, sure. That sounds likely. Like that's, I don't know how it works, but that's somehow how they do it. They convert the image into information, shoot it down a wire and then it goes into your TV. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So basically that's what's happening with everything that you see, smell, touch, taste. A filament of like, information that perfectly encodes the original shoots out of it shoots into your eyeballs or into your body and stimulates your soul atoms and they receive it and experience it (laughs) that is super creepy to think about if that was anywhere near true and how come we're not constantly running into these filaments you know what I mean? Or are they just so small they pass right through? They're us? so small. Like, I don't yeah, get that. They just pass right through you. They're so small. Okay. Because I feel like we'd all be tangled up in filaments immediately. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, they're, they're too small to see. They're like, they're totally microscopical. Um, very tiny. Very tiny. But that's yeah. how you, uh, you perceive things with these filaments or simulacra. Okay. Well, that seems like it seems legit to me. <laughs> I mean, so someone's filaments are stimulating my soul particles. Uh, is that love? <laughs> uh, yeah, that w- even even love would be. Well, love would be a belief that you would have about sensations from your 
from the your um, uh, soul particles. Right. So love would be like a complex emotion. So it's it depends on you. Be like beliefs that you have about your sensations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Something like that. Um, so. Uh, so, but an interesting thing is that he doesn't believe in anything is like uh, purely mental. Basically, you're just physical. All you respond to is physical stimulation. Um, there's nothing like good and bad. So there's no real actual, there's no like real internal monologue going on where you're deciding things and thinking things over. You're just purely reacting to physical stimuli. Well, you do have a little bit of free will because your atoms can swerve. But oh right, I forgot. About that. <laughs> but um, but it's more it's atoms can swerve, yeah, baby. It's more like there's no such thing as like objective good and bad, or like uh, all right, or like beauty or anything. All there is, according to Epicurus, is pleasure and pain. That's all there is: pleasure and pain. And your intellect has only one objective, and that is to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. That's your only objective in your life. Ah, uh, yes. We're back to this point again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see why it, it becomes uh, a point of conclusion for a lot of these people. Because it is the main motivation is to not experience pain and to experience more pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's what motivates animals to feed themselves and to avoid being killed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so, what did he say? He class, he, uh, here's a quote from him. Um, or this isn't a quote from him. This is a quote from the Stanford Encyclopedia. But he believed that a life free of mental anxiety and open to the enjoyment of other pleasures was equal to that of the gods. It'd be pretty nice, I'd say that much. Yeah. If you had no anxieties at all yeah. and you just experienced pleasure every day, that's like, Pretty not bad. Pretty not bad. Pretty good. Um, but like, I mean, to not experience anxiety. I experienced anxiety today when I was trying to decide what I wanted for breakfast. <laughs> like, it's ah, just, <laughs> Epicurus, you'd have a lot to say to you about that. It, it doesn't take much for my anxiety to start going. Yeah, well, that's like a total point that he would make. He would say like, listen, you have the necessary desire to maintain your physical well-being and your happiness. Yeah. And then you have another desire on top of that, which is to eat tasty food. Now, your mm-hmm. desire to eat tasty food, that is like, it's okay to eat tasty food. But you have to be careful because if you put too much emphasis on eating tasty food, you're going to get anxiety about it. And then you're not even going to enjoy your food anymore. Yeah. So you got to keep it simple. I mean, I've, I've, definitely, I've definitely been hungry before and then was not able to decide what I wanted to eat. So I just didn't eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be, and that would be uh, the problem. This is something that I've always complained about. If, if this happens to me all the time. The most classic example is you're stoned, right? You, mm. you're, 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 you got the munchies. You go into Seven uh, Eleven. You go in there. If you don't go in with a plan, oh my God. you will be paralyzed by options immediately. <laughs> and then you're just standing there in the fucking aisles, looking like an idiot for way too long yeah. until the anxiety of you thinking that people are looking at you knowing you're stoned because you're taking so long to pick what you eat and then you just grab something and by the time you get home, you're like, I didn't even want this. 
Yeah, you get something stupid like Werther's caramels or something. Yeah, yeah nothing worse than being like really stoned. <laughs> I got a bag of Werther's. <laughs> <laughs> Can't eat this. Oh yeah, going to McDonald's like high with no plan is a catastrophe. Like you yeah. go in there, the I get paralyzed by choice all the time. Yeah. Paralyzed by choice. It's just give me one thing. <laughs> yeah, I remember going into McDonald's high one time and it was like really busy and everyone was working really hard and there were like all these alarms going off and I like couldn't even concentrate i couldn't think i was just like how the hell what is going on there's chaos in here like I can't. just like 12 things on the menu <laughs> yeah oh my God. i remember going into a, a mcdonald's really stoned with our friend rocky and both of us it's the same thing it was super busy and they immediately they're like what can i get for you and me and rocky both are just like so caught off guard, and we eventually both just like run out of there. <laughs> yeah. We just start, we just, we literally sprinted out because the pressure got to us. Yeah. It feels like <laughs> such an emergency. Like you just can't, yeah. can't decide. I was like, ah, ah, ah. And then Rocky just like bursts out laughing and runs out, yeah. and I just leave. Yeah. It was, uh, it's just one of those things that you, you, I need things handed to me. Mm. In those situations, yeah, I should have just been like, "You pick for me, buddy. You're the expert here." Yeah, I think the the right move is to order the food, then get high after you order it, so you don't have to decide. It just arrives. Yeah, yeah. you shouldn't do anything that requires a lot of decision making when you're stoned. No, <laughs> definitely not. Being stoned is for things where you can just be in the flow. Yes. right? you can. You don't have to think. Yes, being stoned is for playing instruments, writing jokes, and watching movies. And video games, I would say. And video games. Yeah. Video games, too. Yeah. But if you're, I mean, if you're getting stoned and then you have to, like, pick the paint color of your house, don't do it. <laughs> oh, your house is going to look like shit. <laughs> yeah. Compromise. Uh, pick something weird. Goblin green. So if you had to summarize this Epicurean outlook, mm. what would you say about it? Um, getting back to Ferdinand's question. Yeah, so he, he Epicurus... There's a few interesting things about him. Um, so one thing he believed, it seems like he believed it was more important to be free from pain than it was to be constantly pursuing pleasure. Like you should focus on freeing yourself from pain and anxiety rather than mm -hmm. uh, hounding after um, pleasures. Uh, one of the right. key things for Epicurus is the fear of death. He was very, very big on um, death and he thought it was totally crazy for anyone to be afraid of death because when you're alive, you're not dead. And then when you're dead, you're, you're dead. All your soul atoms are destroyed and you, and all of yeah. your experience ceases. So you can never actually experience death. So it's nothing to be afraid of. And he said that living in, in fear of death is worse than living in pain because if you're in fear of death, the only way out of it is to get immortality, but that's impossible. So if you're scared of death, you can never alleviate your fear. And you're stuck. And you're anxious. You can't enjoy life. I never used to be a f hung up on death, but uh, like the, the last like five years, it's, it's definitely been something on my mind a lot more than usual. And it always comes back to the same conclusion: is that you can't. Why would you waste your time thinking about it? Mm. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and he would say, "Yeah, right. it's the biggest waste of time." It's that old thing that people say: is like you didn't care when you if you were you didn't care that you were alive. Before you were born, and you won't care after you're dead. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, pretty much. And don't don't if you can eliminate the anxiety about death, then that'll go a long way to helping you to enjoy life. Um, yeah, 
So, Word. Uh, the last thing that he said that's interesting, or maybe I don't know if it's the last thing he ever said, but he, so he had like a theory about how human society developed over time and what the end goal should be. So he thought that in the past, so remember he's living in like 200 BC or whatever. So he thought that in, yeah. the, in the far reaches of the past, humans were like these solitary creatures. They lived alone. They didn't have families. They didn't have language. They couldn't talk to each other. And the only reason they survived were because they were like physically stronger and hardier. So they could just sort of like survive like animals. Um, yeah. But they didn't think that we lived with like tribes or anything. They thought that way back then, like we were just like individual predators as in like solo artists. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Everyone was pursuing solo careers. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. But over time, the people discovered fire and they uh, realized that they could team up and make uh, like groups and families, social institutions. And with that came language and stuff like that. And so he thought this was actually probably a pretty good time to be alive because there, were, there wasn't a ton of stuff around. So everyone had to share with each other mm -hmm. and there was less greed and language was very new. So there were fewer empty words like death and immortality that don't actually uh, refer to don't anything. Don't actually help us in any way. Yeah, exactly. Their language was utilitarian only. It was yes. all about function, not yes. about they weren't at, they were not smoking, drinking at the hookah, thinking they were eating <laughs> fucking. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. And keeping on trucking. That's yeah. what they were doing. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, but of course, over time. People accumulated more and more goods, and people are finding gold and things like that. And uh, these tyrants show up, and they dominate people with their wealth. And that's a bad time to be alive. Um, but then people got sick of these tyrants, and they overthrew them to live under the rule of law. But Epicurus was not a big fan of law, because with law comes the fear of being punished for breaking the law and that's anxiety and he doesn't like anxiety yeah. <laughs> i don't like it either i'm with you bud so he didn't like law um but he sort of recognized that it was like a compromise um, that we have to make uh -huh. so that we can get along yeah. but it yeah. seems like he thought the best thing the best way to live is in a community of friends because then you don't need laws oh. because friends would never hurt each other or betray each other <laughs> and here I thought was the, I thought this guy was enlightened and then turns out he's a naive motherfucker <laughs> yeah um, yeah he, so he uh, so his followers the Epicureans they uh, they lived in these communities these friendship communities I guess um, they wore rings with his picture on them friendship communities aka Cult. It's a cult. Cult. Yeah, it's a cult. They, they are all cults. All these guys are cult leaders. So badass. Probably not allowed to eat beans either, I, I would guess, because it makes you like Oh, yeah. Fart I remember that was, uh, wasn't that uh, Pythagoras? Yeah, Pythagoras. No beans. Pythagoras' rules. Yeah. No, no beans. I mean, that is practical, especially if you're living in tight-knit communities and uh, you want your friendships to survive. You can't just be farting up the storm. Yeah. Yeah. Beans can okay. Yeah. We have about ten minutes left here, Sam. So okay. I hope Ferdinand, uh, you uh, 
accept that. Oh, we'll do more. We'll do uh, we'll do Stoics yeah. and we'll do Taoism, and then we can talk about about how they. Okay, apply so now we kind of we should all kind of get a grip of what Epicureans believe and what their what their vibe is, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go to our email. How about that? Oh God. Okay, I always get nervous about these anxiety. All right, we have an email. Long-time listener, first-time question writer. Wow. Philosophy of medical ethics question. Oh, God. You ready, Sam? Okay. Hypothetical, of course. Do you think if Canada has enough extra vaccines in a couple years or whenever, and the only group left that hasn't been vaccinated yet is ISIS, do we have an (laughs) obligation to help them out if they're offering to pay for it? Or, (laughs) he simplifies it here, do you help someone who may be calling for your death? Also, mm. can Sam please do more accents? He was a big fan of your Australian accent last week. Oh, I thought it was terrible. Um, oh. That is that is from Phil. Phil, thanks for writing Phil in. Maynard. All right. Um, Phil Maynard, a good guy, comedian based out of, well, he was based out of Kelowna. Um, and good question, Phil. So what do you think, Sam? Should we give ISIS vaccine, vaccines if they're the last ones without it? Or do we let the COVID ravage them? <laughs> That's interesting. I wonder if they would believe in in vaccines. There's, I have a feeling that they don't care about vaccines. Yeah, they have other th- bigger fish to fry, as they say, as in every single one that's not Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So they are. So would Canada be obligated to help them if they ask for the vaccine? Um, I don't think so. I don't think we would be obligated to. Like it would depend on what. Uh, we could apply a bunch of different moral theories. Like, because if you applied utilitarianism, you'd have to calculate, okay, would the world have more happiness if ISIS was all vaccinated than if ISIS was not vaccinated? And I'd I'd wager that there would be more happiness if ISIS was not vaccinated. That's what I would wager. Right, right, right. Now, can you say that again, but with an accent? Uh, Right, so ISIS... We vaccinate them. Voices, right? Voices, right? Right, cons, eh? Right, yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, if they if they was vaccinated, there'd be more happiness or less happiness. And uh, I think less happiness. So uh, no vaccines for ISIS. Right. <laughs> right. Next. Um, right. 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 Next question. <laughs> Next question. All right. But that if, one was an easy one. But if we apply Emmanuel Kant's theory, then perhaps we have a duty to help those who are in need, regardless of what they may have done themselves. Uh, in the first categorical imperative states that, in the first formulation, you should act according to the maxim that would be universally applicable by any rational being in that situation. Right. Now, if... <laughs> Right now, right. Uh, keep going, keep going. Uh, but uh, even 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 then, I don't know. I don't know if any rational being would want you. You'd have to act in the way that you would want every other rational being to act in your circumstances. I think basically. And yeah, I mean, are there situations that have unfolded already where they're like low on food? And has we have we done a food drop <laughs> for them? It's just like certain groups of people. I mean, obviously, you gotta, you gotta, I mean, ISIS, they probably have communities where there's children who are innocent, mm. people that uh, are, I mean, 
it, mm. there's always going to be a little uh, wrench in the in the in the scenario there. What if we did a everyone under the age of twelve in ISIS can get a vaccine? <laughs> the, the child shields can get vaccines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, they usually don't ask for things. They usually just sort of show up and take it. So if they if they were desperate enough yeah. that they were asking for vaccines, well then can maybe you, you could be like, okay. If the leader of ISIS got on TV and was like, oh, so I know this is kind of awkward, like based on our history <laughs> and stuff, but like, if you guys have any like spare vaccines kicking around, like I don't know, we could probably use a couple over here. Yeah, we, we can't get on any flights unless we have a yeah. vaccine note certificate. <laughs> so. uh just asking, because uh, we were planning on uh, taking a trip soon. Uh, not to do anything uh, dangerous or anything, of course. We just want to go to Disney World. Yeah, Disney World. <laughs> How about this? You guys can have the vaccines if you can prove that you're all maintaining social distance and uh, wearing masks at, at home. Yeah. Something tells me that they're left. not exactly following Bonnie Henry to the T right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's hard to be a suicide bomber if you have to social distance. Yeah, they're pulling more of a Texas approach. Mm. Yeah, that's true, eh? Just an, uh, just another way they're similar. Yeah. <laughs> they both like riding <laughs> in the back of trucks. They both love guns. They both love waving their flags. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And they like to make their own fucking laws. Yeah, let's fucking make our own laws. we we'll carve out our own... Uh, Electrical grid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> um, we want to secede, but also, can you help us out of this jam? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Um, what was the rest of his question? Do Oh, what was the, like the second? That was it. Was there like a... He just a, wanted you to do more accents. Uh, was there another thing about helping? It was just more general. In general, do you help someone who is calling for your death? Oh. Hmm. Yeah, that seems seems tricky. Why would you help someone who wants to kill you? Unless like they need your help and then you can bargain with them to like yeah. not kill you anymore. But eventually if the if their main goal is to to kill you and they find themselves themselves in a precarious situation, why would you help them? Mm. There's just no way. At that point you're just you're just that is what I like to call virtue signaling when you're helping a guy that's trying to kill you. All right. Yeah. We all get it. You're a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something Jesus would do. What a loser. Yeah. That that guy was just man. He set a bar that no one can <laughs> live up to. Thanks, Jesus. Making us yeah. all look bad. Yeah, it's uh, that would be like an excess. I don't know like what the that would be like an excess of compassion. I don't know what you would call that. Like too much compassion. Yeah. I don't know what you call that. AKA being stupid with your life. Um, uh, AKA liberals. Am I right? <laughs> imagine this. Imagine a guy has a gun pointed to his head, to your head. And then he like pulls the trigger and it doesn't shoot. And he's like, Oh shit. I forgot to get ammo. Do you have any? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, fine. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, got I got some. What was that? Uh, what is that? Nine mil? Yeah, I'll let me check. Yeah. <laughs> is that, do you need a nine or a, what do you need? A seven point, a nine, whatever? Uh, 30 odd, yeah, okay. Yeah, let me check. Yeah, here's a couple clips for you. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> so, no, Phil, you don't help anyone that's not willing to help you, okay? Mm. People are there to be stepping stones. That's it. Yeah. It's all about the give and take. 
Yeah. Well, if you want your email read on the podcast, it is tpspodcast420 at gmail.com. Sam will fucking put it in the description of the podcast this week or else he will be replaced by a different Sam. Fuck. Should have never started the League of Samuels. <laughs> yeah, because now they're all gathered in one place and I can yeah. pluck one out at will. Yeah. <laughs> but I try and keep all the Jordans spread out so that at least if, we, if you get rid of me, you got to go looking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess next week we'll do the stoicism and the yeah, we can do both. We'll continue this three-part series on Ferdinand's uh, question here. Um, That's awesome. It's very interesting. Yeah. Thanks for writing in, everybody, and thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Adios. Adios.